0: Good morning, Zingers, and welcome to Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. And boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about this morning. We have headlines, of course. Boeing shares down more than 8% after news of a almost crash over the weekend. We also have some merger madness in the healthcare space, uh, some guidance on some retail stocks. So like I said, we've got a lot to talk about after the weekend. I've got my man Dennis hanging out backstage. We're going to be bringing on Roggie Horner. A technical analyst from Simpler Trader at 8.35 a.m. Eastern. Joel will not be with us today as he prepares to bring home the national championship from Houston, Texas as Michigan uh, Michigan takes on Washington. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get the show started. When I come back, Dennis and I will be taking y'all to the top headlines of the day.
1: Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market
2: Prep. With your host, Joel Conin. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny.
0: With everything you need to start your trading day. All righty, y'all. Let's go ahead and bring my man Dennis on, and we'll start ripping through the major indices this morning. See how everything's trading, Dennis. How are we doing Monday morning? We're we're
1: okay. Got the flu on the weekend. Been trying to fight through that. I'm feeling better today. Saturday night, I was just at the arena. Started getting cold and the chills. Sunday, I was in bed all day. So just no, no, no like not sniffly. Not really the cough. Just body aches like just extreme body aches but anyways coming through it feel a little bit better here this morning so we're coming through it and obviously we got a little bit of market turbulence here ab
0: yeah turbulence is the is the is the name so far not just this morning but really the year uh so far i mean a lot of people i think were pretty bullish heading into 2024 we had the little santa claus rally but it looks like santa has has left and uh, maybe his sleigh is is flying a little bit better than the Boeing planes are. Not seeing some of the same issues. I hope not, at least for his sake. Um, but let's go ahead and pull up my Benzinga Pro. And before we get started, we'll just rip through the uh, major indices, see other trade this morning. So the spy, edging higher slightly. Point, you know, uh, you got five one hundredths of a of a percent right here. Yeah. Uh, the Dow though is getting kind of crushed, of course, as Boeing is one of the thirty components yeah. of the Dow uh tech queues trading slightly higher as well um i mean dennis what i mean top headline today first thing we start with gotta be boeing right yeah for sure and obviously you know this happened
1: friday night i believe it was alaska air line where the what is it well you can tell the the passenger door just like blew off
0: yeah so it was it was a a a portion of the back part a door that the door wasn't even one of the emergency exit doors, uh, and it was right after takeoff. So within like eight minutes of the flight, uh, they, they the flight had to make an emergency landing. Everyone was okay. Thankfully, no one was sitting right in those two seats closest. Uh, otherwise, probably would have been a bigger deal. I mean, hopefully those people would have been, you know, buckled in and everything and and ultimately would have been fine. Uh, hopefully, but either way, it was good news that no one happened to be sitting in those in those uh two seats. Well, let me refresh my Benzinga Pro because for some reason it's still displaying the wrong chart. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dennis, this has been an ongoing problem for Boeing. I mean, for years, basically, that Boeing no. uh 747 Max just continues to to have problems. Um, I mean, look, if you're b- buying. Down here you could be saying oh well i mean it's still a duopoly you basically just have boeing and an airbus uh and just banking on boeing being fine over time because at the end of the d- at the end of the day we've had a lot of these problems with boeing planes but for the most part they're still pretty safe i mean i fly a lot dennis and i never you know notice wh- whether i'm on a boeing or an Airbus. No, I, never, I don't either. i never feel unsafe but i have been se- i have I been seeing people say stuff like that on twitter being like i'm gonna start you know making sure my flights are on airbus planes and not uh, Boeing planes. So we'll see if, if that actually ends up being a, a thing that consumers start looking at. Yeah. Um, but like I said, for me, I don't, cause I think, you know, air travel, especially in the United States has just been so safe over the past, uh, you know, two decades that it really just hasn't even been anything to worry about. Um, but I mean, from the trading perspective, would you rather wait here to see if there's more fallout, more like regulation? It's hard to say
1: what the fallout is. I mean, when they're grounding all these Max planes here and now, you know, obviously we don't know how long that's going to. There's a lot of unknowns, you know, one, why did it happen? Two, is, you know, could it happen to other planes or is this just a one-off and it's not possible to happen again? It's interesting if you look at Spirit, Spirit AeroSystems, SPR was the company that made the parts on the other max problems when we were having an spr makes this part apparently too so spr makes a lot of parts that go into this boeing it is getting hammered on here too maybe it should start not going with spr to make these parts spr is down 16 percent this morning so it's really getting hit i usually like to let the dust settle just because of the unknown but you know in some cases you know you know and, and obviously you know the boeing you know if we look back you know really you know if we go back to just the last couple of years The stock was getting killed on all this max stuff, and the stock got almost down to a $100. I mean, so we've rallied up here. Are people going to come in and buy this dip on Boeing? Probably a bet. I mean, we're already seeing it lift a little bit here in the pre market. They just can't stop themselves. I mean, when you see a stock, like, you know, people are still trying to rebuild their portfolios, obviously, from the serious run that we've had. So you you may get some people coming and saying this is just, you know, a one-off, and, you know, this isn't going to happen again, but... I think I'm just going to sit back and watch the firework on this one. I'm not going to jump in here and try to make a call and say this is just a one-off and it's going to bounce right back.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing, again, that it, I guess if you're bullish that you could say here is, well, there's still not a lot of competition. So if, if there were, you know, a dozen uh, manufacturers of air, airplanes around the world... You know, maybe Boeing w- would really be kind of—I don't want to say put out of business, but really in a tough position from stuff like this. But when you're basically, it's just Boeing and Airbus. Yeah. You no, know, it's it's tough. I think for like, there's always going to be kind of that underlying demand. Um, but certainly, again, if you're if you're a big bull on Boeing, not news you want to see. Uh, the FAA said on Saturday around 171 planes would be affected by its uh, uh, you know, kind of emergency inspections. Which applies to U.S. airlines carry uh, and carriers operating the U.S. territory. Alaska and United are the largest operators of the 737 Max nine, uh, of which around 215 are flying worldwide. So it sounds like, from the airline perspective, American and United are going to be, uh, you know, the ones to watch out for. Of course, you mentioned the supplier, uh, Spirit AeroSystems, getting crushed this morning, down more than sixteen percent. Um, so this is one of those. I mean, just one of those like you know, moves where you have one acute incident that happened over Friday, and now you're seeing you know, basically billions of dollars of market cap being wiped off from Boeing in one morning. Um, and so it'll it'll be a good story to watch all week. and I think we do like you said, think so. kind of wait for the dust to wait for the dust to settle, see kind of what more the FAA is mandating right now uh and i'm with you i would not be taking a stab here at boeing you know even though like i said there's really not a lot of competition maybe that's what maybe that's what we'll start seeing is more and more competition coming in i don't there's probably a lot of uh, a big barrier to entry into that into that market just creating airplanes i don't know how many companies out there really have the capital to just say okay we're going to go start building airplanes but um yeah, I mean, let us know in the chat right now if you guys would be buyers or sellers of Boeing. Would you be scared to get on a Boeing right now? I don't know. I mean, it, it does seem like, of course, compared to, to Airbuses, there have been more problems with these planes than others. Um, but, Dennis, let's... uh
1: Lots I- of other stories here today. I think CNBC is going to cover Boeing all day. So, you know, yeah. no sense. That's just... Dying on it here the entire show. No. So let's go. There's so many stories. We have the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference here this weekend, and it's merger Monday in healthcare. We've got three mergers here. Aaron, tell us about them.
0: So the first one we are going to hit on uh will be Merck and the Harpoon merger. So uh, Merck announced. Let's go to our trusty Benzinga Pro. Go right here. The news. This is what makes the Benzinga Pro so easy. So Merck to acquire Harpoon Therapeutics for twenty-three dollars a share in cash. That's around seven hundred million dollars. Um, and and so let's go see how how Harpoon is trading this morning. See if there's a good Merck. Okay. So it looks like I mean looks like the market's saying Dennis that this deal is pretty uh, pretty certain to go through. Twenty two twenty. A- on the $23 a share buyout, so not a lot of arbitrage to be had there. Stock trading up 110% this morning. What are you seeing? Um, yeah, so,
1: you know, obviously the acquire, and you get these smaller companies, there's typically not a lot of any trust issues here. Um, So I think we should just cover all three of them together here because there's three of them. So you also have Johnson & Johnson is acquiring AMAM. I don't know a lot of these companies, so I can't tell you much about the fundamentals on these or what drugs they have. But it's a small deal for J and J, two billion dollar deal. Ambricks is the company's name, and then you also have Boston Scientific (BSX) acquiring AXNX. So, and the price on that one, grab that for you here. AXNX
0: will be seventy-one dollars 70- a share
1: yeah so again these are trading up near the price because typically and you get these smaller you know companies getting bought there isn't a lot of antitrust issues so it's going to trade just slightly below it because of the time value of money so and, and these deals typically don't take years to go through they go through a little bit faster so the risk herbs come in here and they you know knock off a, a buck or two for obviously the time value of money and that's where they go and the deals are small enough too that I don't think there's going to be, you know, where the acquirer gets hit. Like when you get the big deal, sometimes the acquirer, like J&J will actually get hit on this Merc, but these are drops in the pocket for these companies. I mean, a $2 billion deal for J&J is absolutely nothing. You're talking about a company with a market cap. I'll just grab it from the trusty Benzinga Pro, but it's, you know, huge. Details, if you want to do that in the Pro, J&J, and you can get the market cap right there. Bringing it up here right now
0: yeah j and j market
1: cap, three hundred and eighty seven billion dollars. So two billion dollars is absolutely nothing for J and j. So this J and J is probably not going to move off of it,
0: yeah. a lot of times in the tech space when you see some of these acquisitions, the companies will be using some shares or something like that to do the deal. and and like you said, the acquirer can sometimes get hit on that. But in these, I mean, it it doesn't seem like, you know, in other spaces, we've seen, uh, you know, antitrust issues like in Microsoft Activision. I think in the big tech space, there's been so much consolidation. So maybe not as as much fear in the biotech space. What about, I mean, these smaller, I mean, this this ANAM uh, Ambrix bio up now 100% on the news. I mean, what could be our signs that maybe one of these stocks is like on its way of getting bought out? I mean, I think some, a lot of these biotech stocks, biotech has come back pretty strong, Dennis, but for the most yeah. part, a lot of them have still been lagging the overall market. So I wonder if, I mean, look at Harpoon's chart here. So seeing just beaten down uh, biotech. There's diamonds made. in the rough,
1: Aaron. I mean, there's diamonds in the rough here. And you've got big pharma looking through and saying, hey, you know, like the XBI, you know, has had a rough few years. I mean, it's come back in the last two months. But you think about 2021, the XBI was $174. So you've had a lot of these smaller biotech companies hammered. Why have they been hammered? Because rates have gone up. So their financing cost to fund their trials has gone up. That's going to put even some of these smaller companies, you know, in in trouble because, you know, the financing is just not easy to to fund, you know, their their drug trials. So that's the main issue that you've got there. Um, With rates starting to go down and real long-term rates have dropped a little bit, that's when the XBI picks it it up. But if you look at the XBI and TLT and put them on a chart, they look kind of the same. You know, you've had a significant sell-off in the last two years and we've had a little lift. In the last couple of months, as TLT has stopped going down, meaning rates have stopped going up.
0: Yeah. And do you think with these acquisitions, I mean, you mentioned the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference, which is, you know, a huge week in that space, in the biotech space. Dennis, do you think that that some of these acquisitions are a sign that you know the big market players, J and J, etc., are like feeling better about the economy right now that they can go ahead and do these acquisitions? Maybe they wouldn't have done last year. Or do you think it's just like we like we like what we said and that they're just diamonds in the rough? And hey, these things have gotten so cheap, and and J and J is big so. enough.
1: I think there's nothing, you know, the pharmaceutical companies, the big guns. They're not going to know these companies better, and they look and they say, okay, well, this drug makes sense or this has a shot. You know, they're taking shots. I mean, a lot of these, you know, times when they, you know, like when you're getting a big pharma acquiring some little pharma, they're taking a shot that they like the way maybe some of their trials are going, and maybe some of these, you know, trials turn into drugs. So sometimes, you know, it's just growth by acquisition, and you know, and, and Merck obviously, you know, is looking for, you know, figure out growth rates as well. We know Lilly is, you know, got their, obviously, their drug coming, their weight loss drug coming. So that stock has been, you know, on fire for basically a year and a half. But Merck hasn't really done anything. I mean, it just started to pick up here in 2024. In the last couple of weeks, as we know, laggards become leaders and leaders become laggards. Farm, The big pharma has lagged the entire year. So it's not surprising that they show a little bit of strength here. In the first couple of weeks in January, is it going to be continued strength? Well, that's still to be determined here. But it's been a nice up move for Merck. But some of the valuations even on the big pharma are attractive here. Like, I know I I put Amgen in the long-term portfolio there last week just because I feel like, well, there's a weight loss drug story there too, potential. But I mean, I think when we're looking for value, I think pharma's got a lot of value right now. And it's not just big pharma, it's little pharma too. And that's why these big companies are coming in and looking for those diamonds in the rough. People are asking why the XBI is down here today and not up. Uh, One thing is the three acquisitions that we just talked about, the XBI, it holds none of them. So it's just probably coincidental. XBI doesn't hold every small pharmaceutical company. Um, It obviously holds quite a few pharmaceutical companies, smaller ones. So it's a good way to get a diversified approach. And sometimes you get lucky, but there's only 123 stocks in there. And it just so happens that none of these three acquired targets are in the XBI.
0: Yeah, and we had some other news. Uh, Moderna announced some numbers this morning. Basically, uh, Moderna provides business and pipeline updates at the annual JP Morgan Healthcare conference. It says product sales for 2023, approximately six point seven billion. Um US COVID market share to to date has increased to forty-eight percent. So some decently bullish news on the on the on from Moderna, the stock trading up more than a percent. Uh, and just going back to the to the three acquisitions we touched on real quick. So the Harpoon one uh, from Merck. Harpoon makes a drug that is supposed to help bolster your T-cells, which your T-cells are the ones mm-hmm. that go out and fight diseases and stuff. So it's supposed to help uh, cancer. And then the Boston Scientifics is buying the Axonix, uh Biotech, which is which treats urinary and bowel dysfunction. So it's just like you said, Dennis. Like So a lot of these smaller ones, they, the drugs aren't on the market yet, but they're taking shots. They're saying, they're taking hey, shots. hey, look, this looks viable. This looks potentially viable. Let's go ahead and acquire this now. And then if those uh, you know, proprietary drugs end up working out, they'll look like really smart acquisitions in the long run. Um, but obviously, time will tell. Uh, as of right now, I mean, I think the, if you were in on some of these, these smaller biotech stocks that got bought out, great. Take your money, hit the register and run. If not, I don't know if there's really a trade to be had here.
1: Yeah. Well, the XBI is the trade. If you think there's going to be more targets, you know, there could be the potential that, you know, the next target might be in the XBI is 132 companies in there. So if you think this week, you know, we're going to get more acquisitions here. A lot of times they come out on the Monday, you know, and then we saw three, the XBI is one way to get a diversified approach to it. Again, remember, though, XBI will move the rates. So if the TLT starts to fall, XBI is going to fall there as well.
0: Got it. Well, let's move on from the biotech. We can we can touch back if we get any more breaking news, any more acquisitions this morning, which it feels like we might. Uh, we had some other news in the retail space, some companies reporting. What am I? You know, what of my favorite stocks, Dennis? Crocs. Uh, reported some solid numbers this morning. Stock yep. trading up more than 8%. Let's go to Benzinga Pro. Uh, Crocs expects 2024 revenue growth of 3% to 5% compared to 2023 of 4 to 6. Uh, you have some some strong guidance. Expects annual, record annual revenues of around $4 billion, up 11% year over year. So, this is one of those stocks where the the fundamentals, the the actual like numbers are pretty solid, and yeah. you have some and you have some growth there. So you have like good fundamentals to where it's not super overvalued, and you have growth there. So you kind of get the best of both worlds, and you're seeing that stock, you're seeing investors kind of reward the company this morning, again, up more than eight percent now trading at around $94 a share.
1: It's been a sneaky value stock for a long time. And obviously 2020 had the incredible run where this stock went from $8 to 183. What it's been trying to do is digest that move. And obviously, you know, we sold off significantly in 2022, rallied back up. And now we're coming back. Do do I think there's value here? I think so. I actually don't mind the stock here. I think it's trading seven or eight times earnings last time I looked. PE on on Pro says 7.3. I mean, this stock trades with a low PE. Um... You know, I don't know if there's a ton of growth here. Maybe they start expanding into other things, but it's kind of, that's just a forgotten stock where, um, you know, you've got a lot of retail stocks that are value stocks, but this one just has n- never really got a, a multiple. And maybe it's because they just think of it, you know, as the Crocs with, you know, the holes in the, in the shoes. So people don't think of it as anything more than that. And that's maybe why they don't give it, you know, a little bit more love from PE perspective, but seven times earnings. I mean, the stock is cheap. The question is is it just a value trap and you know or is there eventually a multiple expansion there? I don't know how much multiple expansion you're going to get. I don't know how much growth there's going to be either. I mean, just looking at the numbers they just gave, 3 to 5% revenue growth sounds good, but you know, inflation's still 3 to 5%. So it sounds like it's just going to be, you know, kicking along with inflation. It's not like they're growing 20, 30% here. So unless they come up with some new products, it's hard to really think about, you know, and I, I guess, you know, they said up over 11% year over year, but I'm just looking at 2024 revenue growth. So multiple numbers coming here. Um, it's not like they're growing 20, 30%. So that's why they just don't get that love in the multiple.
0: Yeah. And you can see here in the Benzinga Pro and the details page, again, you mentioned the the forward PE of 7.3. Price to sales, 1.36. I mean, that's pretty damn cheap compared to a lot of really other stocks cheap. on the market. Uh, so like you said, it's almost as if the market is, is pricing in, uh, you know, like no growth going forward. Cause if the market, if the market was pricing in any growth in this stock, then it would be trading at a higher multiple and this share yeah. prices would be higher. Uh, so there's some other, I mean, uh, Crocs had a, had a, a big acquisition a few years ago with Hey Dudes, uh, a different type of shoe. That I don't think has been that good for the company. I think it's like been doing pretty well with its core products, its actual Crocs, which have like somehow made a comeback with young people to where like you know younger kids are now buying Crocs and putting their own little customization things in them again. Which if you would have asked me like ten years ago, Dennis, I would have said that this was kind of a, a fad stock. Yeah, type. for sure. It's I mean, it's got fad written all over it, but it hasn't been right I mean, now. It's twenty years later. <laughs> it's
1: twenty years later. This fad is one that's stuck. Right. So, you know, and again, maybe it's the one trick pony why it doesn't get any love. So, you know, it just got the shoes. But, you know, that's where that's where I just think I just don't know if the multiple expansion is going to come. Like you can say, you know, and this is the problem, you know, when you just look at PEs and, you know, and you get caught in these value traps is if the growth's not there, the market doesn't. There's no reason to expand the multiple. When Apple went from trading 12 times to, you know, 28 times, you know, they were growing revenue all those years. So they were growing it, you know, exponentially, like they were growing serious, you know, 20, 30 percent revenue growth back then. So I just don't know if, you know, if there's a lot of reason to just chase this here today that everybody's going to all of a sudden say, hey, we forgot about Crocs because it's not like they're anticipating 20, 30 percent revenue growth.
0: I'm so glad you said this in the chat Will Alton. I see young guys at the gym wearing them because this was a conversation in one of my group chats the other day where someone was like, "Why do I see all these young kids wearing Crocs at the gym? It's so silly wearing Crocs at the gym." But I got that's got to be some sort of TikTok trend or something I'm not I'm, I'm not hip on. Um but there's there were other news in the retail space. We had Abercrombie and Fitch uh a uh, net sales outlook up from low double digits to high teens. Uh so some some Positive bullish guidance from uh, Abercrombie and Fitch operating margin outlook based better than expected holiday sales. This is another stock that I mean we're looking at like all time highs on Abercrombie right now, Dennis. After just a huge, I mean, look at this chart. Unbelievable. Look at this chart. Down at twenty one dollars a share in May of twenty twenty three. This was less than six months ago, less than half a year ago. This stock was trading at twenty twenty at twenty two dollars, and now it is up above ninety. I mean, this is one of those where I actually love the story the kind of comeback from Abercrombie because, you know, we were just talking about fads. The stock, this company clothing brand was huge in the mid 2000s, like when I was in middle school in 2006 was like the biggest, you know, you had to have Abercrombie or you weren't cool. And then it wasn't cool for like 15 years. The leadership really like, you know, you don't see this happen a lot with companies, Dennis, where the leadership sets out to kind of revamp the whole thing, revamp the brand. Take that! I mean, the Abercrombie clothes are are indiscernible. You can't recognize them from the clothes of the mid two thousands. But it's worked, and you don't see that happen a lot where a company really is able uh, to revamp like that. But you, you got to give kudos to the the leadership team over at Abercrombie because it, obviously whatever they're doing has worked. Uh I would I would have loved to be in this run up, but I, I haven't been. And now that it's up here, I'm I'm too scared. I'm not gonna it feels it.
1: like it's too high to chase, you know, too hot to short, maybe quoting Nick Shaheen. Um at this point in time. And again, I don't even love the candle that it got there on Friday because we put in a double top. We're trying to at 94. Not trying to call a top on this thing. It's just been such an incredible runner. Um, so it's hard to short that kind of stock, but I can't chase it here. Um, and again, they're still trendy. I mean, all these retail stocks are still trendy. So how do we know that the Abercrombie trend is going to be the trend five years from now? You know, we saw what happened with the gap, you know, like, obviously, there's different trends. I, and, and kudos, like you said, to management, Abercrombie and Fitch has figured it out. There isn't a lot of retail stocks trading at all time highs. You know, there's Abercrombie, we know Dillard's has just figured it out, but they've done most of it through buybacks. Um, uh, but you know, you look at all the other ones like the Macy's and the Coles and the Nordstrom's and I mean, they've all, you know, just not done things well. So you got to give kudos to the management, but I just can't chase it here.
0: No, I agree. And I mean, I, I, I will say not, a, not a lot of stocks we talk about. I have firsthand experience from the products, but I will say over the last few months, I did order some stuff from Abercrombie. And first of all, you know, very nice, like high quality t-shirts that I've, I've been, I've been, uh, liking, uh, but also the crazy thing, Dennis, I ordered this uh, an order off of Abercrombie's website on a Friday afternoon and the package got delivered to me on Sunday, that Sunday, two days later, which I didn't even know packages get delivered on Sunday. So I have no uh. clue how they made that happen. But I was just shocked when I saw that in my front door. I was like, all right, well, again, whatever they're doing is working because that they're was good customer well. service. It made me want to go back and order more stuff from there. So look, I was shopping at Abercrombie when I was 12, 13 in the mid 2000s. And now I am again after not buying anything from there for fifteen years. So I, you know, take take with that what you will. Another retail name we had with some news this morning: Lululemon. Uh, you know, like you said, not a lot of retail stocks trading at all-time highs. Down this morning about two percent. Uh, Lululemon expects Q4 net revenue of three point one seven billion to three point one nine billion. Uh, EPS of four nine six to five dollars. And the and the the uh numbers were actually pretty good and uh and and bullish it looked like but the market's not really taking it so might just be a little bit of 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 too high of expectations for lulu um i mean dennis is this one you'd be willing to to take a stab at
1: i mean lulu lemon has been best of breed for a long time and you go to the mall and you see a lot of stores with hardly any people in there and you look at the lulu store and it's always packed So, I mean, you know, for whatever reason, you know, obviously people love the clothes. They figured it out, you know, whether it's Abercrombie. But, I mean, Lululemon has always been best of breed. It's always commanded a top multiple because of that. It's trading 34 times earnings, which is fully valued. I mean, when you're paying 34 times for a retail stock, that seems like a fully valued. But they continue to find ways to grow earnings. And these numbers were fine. Again, maybe it's expectations are too high. That's why you're getting a little bit of a drift down. I mean, it's had a big run. The stock was 400 at the beginning of November, it got almost to over 500 there at the end of the year. Leaders to laggards, laggards to leaders. So maybe you get a little bit of that in there too. But I think Lululemon, um, I, I mean, it's always been best of breed. And when you get serious dips in Lululemon, it usually finds buyers.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is just surprising to me, Dennis. I mean, you look at some of the numbers, uh, Uh, EPS is now expected to be in the range of four, nine, six to $5 compared to previous guidance of four, eight, five to four, nine, three, basically same thing with revenue where they bumped up the revenue expectations. Uh, bumped up their their gross margin. I mean, all their numbers. They basically said, "Hey, we're doing better than we initially anticipated." Look at those and- margins, fifty
1: eight percent. I know, That's crazy. Margins,
0: and then and then uh, and then the stock is still trading down, which I feel like you don't typically see that when a company basically says, "Hey, we had our guidance. Now we're expected to do better than our guidance," and then the stock is trading down. That's kind of a big red flag to me.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think at this point, just because we're in January and the leaders to laggards, laggards to leaders theme, theme is still going on here. Lululemon was definitely a leader in 2023. The stock had come back a lot from, obviously, where it was trading at the beginning of the year. So I think I stay away from this one just for now. We also had another retail stock, uh, and, and I don't know if you caught this one here, AB, but AEO also raised its guidance here this morning on strong holiday sales and that stock is trading up 8% so I want to cover it you know with the Abercrombie as well because AEO is another one that is starting to find its way I mean you think it's going the way of the gap but then you know they've kind of figured it out and even the gap itself GPS is starting to find its way too you wonder if the retail you know stocks just maybe some of them have just traded with too low evaluations and you know everybody was pricing in this imminent recession and nobody was going to go buy new clothes. Maybe we're at a point here where, you know, they're repricing some of these because AEO trades with a PE of 11. The Gap, which obviously, you know, was way down, trades with a PE of 17 here now. I mean, these stocks are not expensive. So if you think that the consumer is still going to remain strong and we're not going into a recession, maybe some of these retail stocks, you know, just got beat up too much in anticipation of an imminent recession.
0: Yeah, and I think part of it, too, is for a while, the market pricing in basically no growth on some of these older names like uh, American Eagle and Abercrombie. Then all of a sudden, when that growth returns, it's like, oh, my God, holy cow, we got to start buying this up. And you're seeing this now trading above 10 percent. So I think American Eagle has kind of watched what Abercrombie has done and gone through somewhat of a similar renaissance where they're they're able to kind of tap into this whole. Uh, I think there's just this whole trend right now of like kids on TikTok being like, "Oh, look how cool these these outfits were from the '90s or whatever." Uh, and and American Eagle has also, like Abergr- Abercrombie, um, you know, back in the day, all their clothes were their their logos were plastered all over, and you wore a shirt and it said American Eagle and big you know branding. And now they've kind of gone away with that and gone with smaller branding. I think that's uh, y- you know part of the thing that the kids like right now. So. Uh, either way some of the you know Abercrombie like you said uh, American Eagle these will be stocks to watch i mean i just think Dennis in the retail space like you said it's so hard to know what's still going to be cool you know 2 3 years from now you look at some of the it's, shoe you look at some of the possible. shoe companies that have come on like Allbirds was so hot when it ipo'd and everyone was wearing Allbirds everywhere and now i don't hear anything about it i don't even know if that stock is around anymore uh yeah Allbirds it's
1: b i r d it's a buck <laughs> I mean, there's so many of these storied stocks. On, on,
0: on, on, let's look at on, on too, because again, if if you have like an edge and you say you're, you know, on TikTok a lot or whatever, and you start seeing people talking about a certain brand more, and then you buy, you know, maybe that's what we should do, uh, Dennis. Maybe we should look at some of the other retail stocks and try to. Try to try to predict which one the next trend is. Which one the- I
1: I mean, that's what they do over at Dumb, Dumb Money. Chris Camilo, you know, it's talks about, you know, his strategies just being just that where they go in and, you know, they look at what's being talked about on social media and they try to predict those trends. And we try to do that a little bit on this show, too. You know, like the Mattel Barbie, you know, we talked about that, you know, that Barbie movie coming out, you know, for weeks before and Mattel got a serious lift off of that. So like I was long Mattel every single night, you know, just to be, be long in those trends. So, I mean, that's one of my core strategies too, is obviously trying to get ahead of trends. But you know, when you get into these retail stocks, sometimes they're hard to identify and they're hard to figure out. The Mattel one with the Barbie ones, the obvious ones, those are the ones I usually trade. Trying to pick which, you know, stock, you know, or which retail company is gonna be the trendy one five years from now though, that's, that's difficult to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, if when you're talking about things to predict in the market, predicting what teenagers will think is cool in two to three years has gotta, gotta be the, the hardest thing and so dennis we might have to i might have to lean on you because you've got uh you know kids and whatnot so i mean that was actually a thing with when my dad was investing uh you know after he retired a lot of times when i was a kid i'd like come to him with things like oh everyone's doing this now one of the biggest ones was the uh, sand disc thumb drive when thumb drives first came out in like the mid Like. I'd come home from school and be like, oh, I got this PowerPoint right here on this little thing. And he thought it was the coolest thing ever. Hadn't seen technology like that. Bought SanDisk stock. I think the ticker was SDSK and made it made some decent money on it. Uh, Levi's is one that I might start looking at, Dennis, because there is, I know, a trend of people kind of pushing back against... Uh, Shein and these other fast fashion brands, where they make really cheap clothes that you can buy online, and instead people are like, "Oh, let's go buy some more sustainable clothes. It's better for the environment." So Levi's is making a big push like that right now, saying, 12 "Hey." My-.
1: Times forward earnings multiples not crazy there either. A lot of these retail stocks don't have huge multiples though, like we've said already. So, is there multiple expansion coming for a Levi? I doubt very much, but. Has um, the stock been beat up and underperformed here for the last couple of years? Yeah, I actually don't mind the, the chart here. It's kind of showing a little bit of life. And if we're doing the whole leaders to laggards, laggards to leaders thing, this has been a laggard for a while here. Maybe Levi does start to show a little bit of love.
0: Yeah, that's just one that comes to the top of my mind when I'm thinking of retail stocks that could see some sort of uh, another renaissance on, uh, e- you know, a la Abercrombie or American Eagle. So I'm, I'm not taking a stab at this now, but I will let you guys know if I do, because. Uh, you know, I think there still are some opportunities. Um, but Dennis, it is about eight 35 AM. We have Roggy Horner hanging out backstage with us from simpler trading. Uh, I'm excited to bring Raggy on, see what she's been watching over the past. I mean, I guess just really the past week has been not how most of us expected to start 2024. Um, except for, you know, you, Dennis and Joel, you guys had been talking about the, uh, the potential sell off and the laggards to leaders. So, uh, pretty vindicated so far in this year's price action.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's worked out to too, you know, and obviously it's worked out too, too like so well, the, the January effect that I'm almost challenging it, you know, like I, because it just was calendar turn and boom, they start selling Apple calendar turn, they start selling Microsoft or, you know, maybe not Microsoft as much, but NVIDIA was too. I do think, though. These January effects, I don't see them lasting all year. Like last year, the January effect lasted the entire year. Tech had a really bad 2022, calendar turn came, and then they just bought tech the entire year. I don't see this as, you know, tech had a really good 2023. It's having a bad first couple weeks of January. And that means tech's going to have a really bad year. I don't see it because you have the AI story that's still going to drive, you know, tech stocks here. You can see NVIDIA's dip has already been bought. Stocks, you know, looks like it's ready to break out to me. I'm still long my NVIDIA. So I think... I'm using the weakness to buy tech stocks actually in the longer term account.
0: That's because that's interesting. Cause I feel like that kind of goes against what you normally do where you're buying beaten down names, where you're willing to take these stabs at, at some of the names that are still trading up. But I agree with, you know, I think Nvidia basically has so much demand right now, both in terms of for the, for the stock and in terms just of its products where, the, you know, with what, where we're going with AI and generative AI, like Nvidia, I, I don't think there's going to be a, a, a potential to where NVIDIA is worried about selling any chips or any of its products or anything. I mean, you've you've got some companies talking about going with AMD instead of NVIDIA on certain things. But uh, I mean, overall, like this would be a stock that I'm just buying on any weakness, essentially. There's just um, too
1: many money managers, you know, and obviously it's been valuation that has kept kept people away, but... I mean, you look at the valuation. I've argued this on NVIDIA already here. It's not crazy. I mean, it trained 24 times forward earnings. Now, again, was there pull forward? You know, is these earnings sustainable? Are these margins sustainable? That's the question. I mean, maybe they're not. And maybe it's going to be end up being, you know, um, a trap. And, you know, but I just don't think this AI story is going away. And when you think about AI, what are the pure plays out there? NVIDIA. I mean, this is the pure play. So, I think you're gonna see this story continue in twenty twenty four. I think Nvidia is going to make new all-time highs very soon. Um, nice day long.
0: Got it. Well, it is eight thirty seven a m Eastern. Let's go ahead and bring our very special guest on Roggy Horner again from simpler trading. without further ado. let's bring her on the show. <laughs> Raggy, welcome to Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. How are you doing this morning?
3: Good morning. How are you doing? Good to see you both.
0: I'm good. Yeah, I think this is our first time getting to chat. Uh, So, you know, I know we were talking a little bit this morning. We've got a busy week. we got the JP uh, Morgan Healthcare Conference. We've got financials reporting later in the week. Uh, What are you seeing that's catching your eye?
3: The first, I was listening to you guys talk about a little bit of that January effect. And I love that you're talking about it because so much of December was window dressing, Santa yeah. rally, And, you know, so seldom do we look at the other side of window dressing, which is at some point, all that stuff has to come back out of that big window. And you have this window undressing kind of unraveling. And, and, I, and I wasn't sure if we'd see broader participation where semis and tech could rally with energy and healthcare. But instead, we're seeing some sector rotation. We're seeing those leaders, you know, some profit taking and and we're seeing some classic movement movement into those laggards from 2023. So nothing weird so far with as weird as 2023 was. 2024, right now, is for me feeling like a little bit of a warm hog. There's some familiarity here. So I'm very optimistic about the year.
1: Do you think this weakness continues or is this a buying opportunity for 2024?
3: You know, there's two really interesting things that JP Morgan and Health Conference, a financial and healthcare sector. If financials can continue with that rally into earnings and a post earnings starts to just accelerate, the S&P has got to go with, with the weighting that financials have in it. If healthcare can keep up the move, I mean, UNH has been sort of an outlier in that group and maybe something like Johnson and Johnson and Merck and Abbott uh, get the memo. Again, I, I might be sounding a little Pollyanna, but I, I am looking at it by the dip. I'm not veering from that at all. But We've got to be so much more selective. Um, I'm not saying, you know, index, every index is a buy the dip. I mean, obviously, we're going to see what happens to the Dow this morning with Boeing. Uh, But overall, yes, I want to buy the dip because the one thing that window undressing can't undo is the expectation that we have that the Federal Reserve is going to be pretty active come March.
0: Yep. And of course, we have a CPI coming this Thursday, which should give us a little bit more insight if the Fed is able to end up cutting uh, at some point in the first quarter of 2024. I mean, Raghi, do you have any thoughts just in terms of, of the inflation reading? Do you expect this to uh, continue to fall? Or are you worried that we might start seeing inflation pick back up again?
3: We haven't seen signs of it in all the little outlier data points. And I I don't think even, it's got to be a really hot number for the Fed to back off what that track is. Last time I looked at the Fed fund futures, March expectations are a little bit lower for the rate cut, but it's still the most probable, same thing with May, same thing with June. So I'm still looking for that first rate cut, no matter what, in either March or May. It doesn't matter if it's a delay. Obviously, we'll see a little bit more chop and pullback because so much of the rally was Geared towards what was just probably bonkers expectation for a quarter point, quarter point, quarter point cut in May, uh, March, May, June. But even if it's a little bit less dovish, uh, I'm still looking for the rally to overlook a lot of the things that admittedly don't look good. Because look, gang, I mean, I know you guys have both traded these environments. For those of you that have never traded an accommodative pivot from the Federal Reserve, it's hard not to be a bull. You know, I can't be a bear here.
1: Yeah, um, and you talked about selective buying here. I want to throw it at you here. Give us some names here, Rogi. Um, what are you looking at on the pullback here? Because if you think we're gonna, you know, that the the Fed's gonna be accommodative, it probably means higher stock prices. Where are you looking?
3: So in tech, I heard y'all talking about tech earlier. Yeah. I wanted to get into Amazon, Meta, and and Microsoft. Those are my favorites. TikTok had a moment where it sort of knocked the legs out from underneath Amazon with that possible foray into e-commerce but i still like amazon to the long side but meta microsoft amazon for the tech side i mean talking about financials you think about the uptrends that have been in jp morgan visa mastercard bank of america wells i know i'm going really fast but those are it's hard not to like something in the top 10 11 names within the xlf the only chop i believe we've seen is from berkshire you know in terms of high concentration weighting so It's hard not to want to love to buy some dips in XLF, which might just be a better way than trying to pick a boat, just play the tide in the XLF. Uh, I'm not super optimistic across the board in healthcare yet, but basic materials have gotten on my radar. Basic Uh, materials, XLB, uh, Freeport, Mac Moran. I'd love to see copper futures continue to move higher. Metals and mining are starting to get on my radar.
1: What about ALCOA? There's a forgotten one and it's really had a rough couple of years. $90 back in 2022. It got down to 23 bucks just a few months ago. It's up here at 32. Is this one you'd look at or is this just not um You
3: forgotten? know, what's interesting about ALCOA is that downtrend that was just relentless through through yeah. last year. We finally at the very end of December popped up through two really important levels. Got above 30 and it got above the 200 exponential. It's hard to hate a stock north of that 200. Is it going to gain some traction? It's really too soon to tell. But if we dip back down to 30, I wouldn't mind putting on a smaller position to see if we can regain some traction north of 33.
0: Uh, Going back to financials real quick, Raghi. I mean, you mentioned some of the bigger names. Uh, What about KRE or some of the regional banks? I mean, we saw, of course, uh, a lot of the turbulence in this in this space has been from the higher interest rates. Do you think if we do end up getting these cuts in March or May that you expect uh, that the regional banks could be winners from that?
3: KRE and IWM, Russell Futures, they definitely put on a show at the end of last year that, frankly, mm-hmm. I was hoping but not expecting. I thought if we're going to see some tax loss harvesting, if we're going to see some weakness get weaker – That was exactly where I was thinking, and it just defied gravity. KRE got above the 200 back in October, I believe it was, got above 45. It's an uptrend. The only thing that's looming is last year's sort of opening, right? If I'm looking at whether stock is up or down on the year, it's got to get above 60 to probably get some, some real attention. But north of 50 here, it's hard to hate on it, and you're so right. Uh, with that macroeconomic inevitability of some rate cuts coming, maybe not as many as we think or hope, but with those rate cuts coming, it's hard to hate on KRE, and then therefore hard to hate on the Russell futures, the Russell mm. two thousand.
0: There you go. And then let's go back to the uh, material space real quick. You mentioned copper. Uh, are there any other specific, uh, you know, commodities that you've been looking at, and why copper?
3: So copper is an interesting one. While gold and silver get a lot of the attention, if I'm really looking at the economic optimism that tends to come with an accommodative monetary policy, it's, it's not just the U.S. central bank. I mean, we're starting to see pivots from Lagarde and the European central bank. So if we're slowly starting to see the FOMC, the ECB, start to slowly move towards rate cuts, um, hard not to look at the two canaries in a coal mine, which should benefit from this crude oil. Which is still iffy, but definitely copper. Copper got above uh, 3.8 on the futures contract, which is also above its 200. And so I'm watching XME. I'm watching even XLX, a steel ETF. Uh, Freeport MacMoran's a great sort of proxy for copper if you don't play copper futures. But yeah, Wait, I want to Which, if which ticker was copy. that,
0: Roggy? Sorry. The Sorry? Which ticker was that, the copper one?
3: FCX, Freeport MacMoran. FCX. Yeah, I'm way too caffeinated this morning, guys. Sorry. Oh,
0: you're good. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's, that's cool. where you you hear the the doctor copper thing a lot where people say you can look at copper as a gauge for the overall economy because it's used in so many things from construction to technology. Uh and now even a lot of copper is going into the manufacturing of EV batteries. So, I've been looking at a lot of copper names myself. Uh, And again, you can kind of just look at copper's chart, and when the economic outlook is good, it's typically going up, and when the economic outlook is bad, it's typically going down. So a lot of people use that copper as kind of a gauge for the overall
3: economy. Staying above three point eight, that's what I'm looking for in the front month of copper, and we still have maintained that, even though right now we're pulling back to it. So there might be an opportunity to jump into a little bit of copper here, but. I think getting above four, again, it's just a matter of climbing the rungs of the ladder. But if we can find some support here this week, that should bode really well. And to your point, that CPI, if it's flat or even cool, here come those more aggressive rate cut expectations. Hard not to keep an eye on copper and and maybe even crude this week.
1: What about Boeing? I got to ask you about Boeing because it's the story of the day. And I want another trader's opinion here because... Uh, Aaron was asking if I'd be buying the dip and I'm like, I think I'm waiting for the dust to settle here. But, you know, the fallout here, we don't know how, you know, if they're going to have these planes grounded for a while or not. But what are your thoughts here on BA?
3: So BA is opening at what, about 230 this morning. Uh, Yeah. The the 200 sitting at 213. So that's still keeping it in the bullish hemisphere. I I think that we'll see a lot more potential um, bottom picking as long as we're above the 200. Now, if I take a look, at, I'm just I'm just pulling up on my chart. I'm taking a look at a volume profile. you know where is their size from last year on Boeing. We have a little bit of volume around 237, which is unfortunate. I would have liked it to have uh, gapped maybe around that area. I think the best bet to your point, let's leave it alone because we don't know if there's other shoes to drop. I'm not even sure it was their part. Um, but panic first, ask questions later. No. That's the game we play. I'd like to see maybe some patterns um, a minor low maybe an inside day just to show me that there's a little bit of pause. And if we can see some volume come in, then I know I'm not alone in the trade idea. And that's that's what I'll wait for.
1: One more I want to ask you about is Kathy Wood and ARKK because we've had a nice little pullback here. Obviously this, she has a lot of growthy tech stocks, some of these nosebleed valuations here. Uh, but, you know, Kathy had a really good November and December, $35 ARKK up to $54. We've pulled back here now. Is this a pullback that you're looking to buy?
3: I've I've been, so if you take a look at 2023 and you look at just the kind of bouncing around 35 to 36, I don't know that I'll buy something this high. I think the best opportunity was just that chop, chop, oversold bounce. However, if I take a look at Kathy and I take a look at what she's doing and we look at some accommodative Fed monetary policy, it's interesting that November, that rally she saw was probably the most dovish shift and the Fed fund futures and the target rate probabilities that we had seen for 2023, and as those expectations for March, May, and June cuts started to really ramp up, 60, 70 plus percent, all of a sudden we're seeing arc K move, a lot of the other arcs move. I gotta think that if we're gonna see rate cuts, they're gonna continue to be fine. Uh, there's a lot of volume at 48, so certainly that's not uh, a level that a lot of traders are uninterested. So why not? It's a good, it's a good volume level.
0: Uh, And then, Raghi, I mean, I I guess going back to to Boeing real quick, what do you think? I mean, if we dip below this 230 level, do you think we could test this 180, go back below here? I mean, where would you be thinking about buying this?
3: So if I'm looking at a daily chart of Boeing and I think the time frame matters, I mean, five minute trading, one hour trading, if we want to take advantage of the just the volatility, you know, I'll put that aside right now, although I'm kind of curious about what we could take advantage of. 2.12 2.12 and a half is definitely very interesting, as would, say, 2.14. Uh, you've got the point of control from 2023 there. You've got a 200 exponential moving average there. you got a ton of volume, obviously. So if we're going to see a much bigger drop, that's a blue light special. You know, we're talking about things of our youth. I remember here you talking about Abercrombie. Well, mine was Kmart in a blue light special. Oh, gosh. That's my no. blue light special.
1: Kmart, good old was. blue light special. <laughs>
0: Kmart's not even around anymore, right, the stock?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. No. I, the company is not around, AP. So Kmart, I don't think, became anything. So it just went. What all, all that happened was the K changed to wall, and it was over. They had better systems. Basically, Walmart was just a recreation of Kmart. They just made it better. And then so they changed the K to a wall for the Walton family. And it was the you know biggest thing ever. Who would have thought it? But Kmart, the Walmart killed them.
3: I, You know, as far as, again, definitely wait and see. I mean, tap the brakes on something like Boeing in the wake of just early, early, early news. But by the end of the week, we should have a much better idea of the the fuller ramifications and whether or not this is an opportunity for most folks to buy the dip. I mean, obviously, in the wake of this, the Dow's going to have to respond. And that's the bigger problem, I think, for a lot of other traders. When something like Boeing heavily weighted gaps down, its weighting is going to cause a lot of havoc. In uh, in YM and DIA.
0: Well, Ragi, I've got about a minute left. Do you have any hot takes or predictions for us for the rest of 2024?
3: Oh, gosh. You know, I don't even know what I'm having for dinner tonight. So, (laughs) Uh. uh, what I always look at is, you know, what's on the immediate time horizon. I'll be day trading this morning. I'll take a look at some swings as we go into the, the CPI Friday, looking for some volatility to uh, take advantage of. But bigger picture, if I'm looking at the macro tectonic plates, employment and inflation, the dual mandates from the Fed, as long as those stay along those lines that they have the last quarter, we're going to start to see rate cuts come March. Uh, And if that's the case, I want to be buying the dip, gang. That's that's what I'm looking at. It's hard for me to be a bear. And I think that's what we started off with. And that's what I'm going to finish off with. Relative performers within the sector's and keeping an on, eye on, on dip buying on, on a year like this, absolutely.
0: Well, there you have it, Roggy Horner from Simpler Trading. Again, uh, thanks for coming on. We touched on a lot of different topics this morning from, you know, healthcare to, to precious metals to the financials. Uh, so again, it's been, it's been great to get your expertise and takes on the show. We look forward to having you on again at some point soon in the future. Thank
3: you very much. That was a blast. I love, we touched a little bit of all the water. Yeah. That's
0: exactly what we needed this morning was someone like you able to come on and talk on, on a breadth of different topics real fast. That's what we like to do. Thanks gentlemen. All right, guys, again, Roggy Horner from simpler trading. Thanks again to Raggy from coming on. All right, Dennis, what are we looking at? We got eight more minutes. Uh, before it, we got, I wrap... think this
1: is going to be a sneaky tech day. So you got Boeing dominating the news. Boeing is not a tech stock. You're seeing some, you know, other stocks getting beat up. Some of the airlines are weaker here, obviously off the Boeing thing. You're seeing oil have a really rough day here. I think we're going to have a sneaky tech rally here today. So we're not seeing much of a rally here yet. A little bit. The cues are up 0.15 percent. I think the money's going to rotate maybe back into some of this tech that they've been selling last week. So if you look, Apple, Microsoft, Meta are all green here now. Um, I think this this market just likes to rotate. And if they're going to sell Boeing, they're going to sell some of these industrials here. And they're going to sell oil, which we haven't even talked about. Oil is having a really rough day here. I think they're going to buy tech. So I think you could have a sneaky tech rally here today.
0: Yeah, that's kind of been the trade recently, Dennis. Where if you look at oil, when oil's up and 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 value stocks are doing well, you don't want to touch any of these Mag Seven names. And then on yeah. days where oil's down and, and energy's trading lower and the value stocks aren't doing well, you, you want to go into these names. It's not really a market where you'll see everything down or everything up. It, it's like you said, a lot of rotation going on, almost yeah. as if the market's playing some kind of musical chairs. And it does. And and, and you got to. Pick, you know where it's going. It's almost incredible, Dennis. We've been on the show now for fifty-four minutes, and we haven't even talked about Apple this morning, which seems like hard to do, uh, just considering how big of a deal it is and how big the the movements in Apple mean for the overall market. But. This would be I mean, if we're looking at a tech rally this week or today, uh, Apple would definitely be one that I've been looking at because I know it's not really kind of a laggard in the sense that it was still, you know, it was at all time highs a couple of weeks ago. But in terms of the last two weeks, it has been a laggard. So uh, if if I wanted to get bullish tech and start buying the queues and stuff, I would want to see some bullish trading activity in Apple. Uh, and by that, I mean not just hanging out where it's at right now like it is this morning up 20 cents. I want to see some real dip buyers coming in and bringing this back above, say, like the 180, uh, you know, four one 185 level before I'm like, OK, now the appetite for tech is coming back in. Maybe the tech investors aren't going to be hibernating all of 2024.
1: Um, I think that 180 level that we talked about um, when it was 185, 186, we thought it had a date with 180. It hit that on Friday, 180, 17. So 17 cents away from it. I think that's a big psychological level. It needs to hold there. I am long a little bit of Apple just in the overnight portfolio, which I'll probably be getting out after the open. Uh, but it's, it's a stock that I'm looking at here, not in the long-term account, because again, valuation I'm not in love with here, but I think this is a stock that's eventually going to get the dip on. So we had two yeah. downgrades last week. That pressure on it, 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 it all—it's going to take is one upgrade. If somebody comes in, you know, and upgrades the stock, it'll be off to the races here again. So it needs a vote of confidence. It needs something. But this 180 is a big level for it. I think Apple has a potential to bounce here.
0: Got it. Well, we've talked a lot about different stocks today, different predictions and stocks and share prices. I'm ready for a different type of prediction, and I want a score prediction for the big national championship oh football game. I'm bringing in one of the top sports analysts in all of the country from, I don't even know. I'm going to guess somewhere down in Houston, Texas. My man, Joel Elkhon and Joel. How are you oh, doing this here?
2: Plan? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm wearing the 1999, 2000 orange Bull shirt. I cannot be more fired up for this game. Oh, I, this is not an investment advice or recommendation. Four and a half points. Michigan's defense is going to be all over this Michael Penix. The guy does not have mobility. Michigan has not opened up their offense at all whatsoever. It's a sea of maize and blue down here in the lobby. Fired it up. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. And after this. I'm not going to be worried about sports so much. After I get this national title.
1: <laughs> you said that 2024 was the year that you were going to start watching less sports. And then Michigan goes to the championship game here. So after that, you're going to take it easier. After
2: saying. that, you know, by still keeping the, all the tickets and everything. But I want to talk Marcus with you guys here for one sure. second. And I just, I didn't hear a lot of Roggy. I mean, you know what's going to be moving this market okay. later in the week right, both you guys? I don't have to come on CBI. here and yell at you, right? PPI, yeah. PPI. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. Today, Monday, Tuesday, we'll waffle a little bit, but you know we're waiting on those numbers. Uh, we've lot of a lot of conflicting noise out of the Fed, right? Oh, we're going to be cutting rates, and then you get those strong numbers last week. So, you know, rotation, it's there. Tech, it's there. Oil's there. But what the heck's going to happen with rates? And that's the big debate. So if we get some some bad numbers on Thursdays and Friday, then the debate just keeps going around and around again. So that that's what I'm looking at. Better hold last week's low on the S&P, but I think we're going to chop until the end, until we get those numbers on Wednesday and Thursday. And I'll be back wearing my championship shirt on Wednesday.
0: Well, Joel, just because if you end up seeing, you know, $18 beers or $20 hot dogs down at the game. That doesn't necessarily mean that, that the inflation, the CPI is going to come in hot. But if you it, 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 let us know what the prices are like down there, I'm curious. Meal uh, prep. We're doing the meal prep meal early, prep. There you go. You're gonna...
2: yeah, early lunch. And uh, yeah, I will let you know if I stand in any of those lines, but uh, just down here in the lobby with hundreds of, can we get a let's go blue? Let's go blue. Let's go blue. Let's go blue. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, hey Joel, I, I, thanks for hopping on. If it make you feel better, I was at the Lions game yesterday, and it was like half people at Ford Field were wearing Michigan gear. We saw a lot of the Lions jerseys that were half, you know, Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson, half Lions, Aiden Hutchinson. So a lot of excitement here in Detroit and Michigan as well for the game tonight. Thanks What's for up I- with
2: Laporta? How hurt is Laporta?
0: Oh, uh, he might miss some time. It looks like a couple oh, weeks. Man. I know. Okay. I mean, I'll,
2: yeah. I'll let you guys finish it up. I'll be back on Wednesday.
0: All right, Joel, have fun tonight. Good luck. That was fun. A little surprise.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's nothing better than your team in the
0: championship. I know. You can just feel the excitement.
1: So I'm happy for Joel, obviously. You know, we're going to see. It's still going to be a tough game. But, I mean, they're favored. You know, it's the worst. Like, uh, obviously, I'm a big hockey fan. My team got the Stanley Cup final back in 2006. And they lost game seven of the finals. And it's such a letdown. So I I hope they win. We're going for Michigan um it's all it's always you know like it's it's its <laughs> like i said nothing better than your team in the championship final but nothing worse if your team loses so hopefully michigan pulls it out
0: yep we'll be rooting for michigan tonight uh coming up on 9 a.m again recapping some of the top headlines of this morning you had bowen uh down at one point more than eight percent Then is now coming back a little bit uh, a little you see on, the, on, on the one on the one minute chart and i was thinking about it if i was getting bullish down here and i wanted to buy Bowen, here's what i would say i'd say look, there's only two companies out there. It's a duopoly. Boeing's still going to be around. And maybe this is what the company needed to finally figure out a lot of these things. I mean, to have an actual potential incident that could have gone really, really disastrous for the company and everything, thankfully, ended up being okay. But maybe this is kind of like the wake-up call it needed. I don't know why the other ones weren't, but it's such a big company. I mean, $150 billion market cap. You figured if anyone would be able to figure this out, it'd be Boeing. Like you said, maybe it's that they need... New suppliers, SPR still trading down more than thirteen uh, percent. We had some top head or we had some big headlines in the uh, healthcare space, and mergers amid the yep. JP Morgan conference. Uh, otherwise, like you said, Dennis, uh, could be just a big rotation day. Tech could be due for a due for a big day.
1: Well, Apple's getting a pop here right now, actually. It's just 9 o'clock headline. Apple Vision Pro will be available in the U.S. on February the 2nd. So we are seeing Apple get a little bit of lift on that headline. was trading basically flat, up $0.10 cents. now. It just popped $0.80 cents here. So Apple getting a little bit of love here right now. I still think it's going to be a tech day. I think if you're buying tech, here are off the open. I think you're going to be happy.
0: And that's what we were looking for. Like you said, just one upgrade, one bullish catalyst for Apple could get it going, could could encourage some dip buying. And then once that happens with Apple, the dominoes will fall and you'll see it reverberate throughout the tech uh, market. So definitely something to watch today. Dennis, uh, 9 a.m., let, let, let's go ahead and wrap up. We do have Benzinga live trading coming up. So make sure to stay tuned because this stream will redirect you there. Uh, Dennis, great show! Thanks for uh, for hopping on. Yeah, with me thanks, AB. Good job markets. here. Um, Joel will be back with us Wednesday. So go blue. Beautiful. Go blue. We'll uh, again stay tuned. This stream will redirect you to live trading. I'll hop on there with Ryan. We'll be uh, we'll be talking some of these, these these headlines. We'll be talking Boeing, Apple, etc. So make sure to stay tuned. <laughs>